0: you have your Bibles, take them out and turn to Acts chapter 18, or maybe you have your smartphone or whatever device you may have, turn to Acts chapter 18, and you can get a message outline right out those center doors at the ministry counter right there. Uh, We're going to continue on our series, Unstoppable, where we're going through the book of Acts this morning. You know, I've known Jesus for many, many years. How many of you have known Jesus for many, many years? You've known Jesus for many years? He never gets old, does he? Jesus never gets old. In singing... The words from those songs this morning, wow, that last song, lift up the name of Jesus. There is no other name. There is no number other name. Jesus Christ, our God. Isn't it amazing to sing those words? And hopefully you believe it. It's just not words up on a screen, but they come from your heart. It's the incredible grace of God that meets each one of us at our point of need. It's that grace of God that allows you and I to be on mission for him, to take that message of salvation, take that message of Jesus, to people who need to hear it. All of us are on mission, right? I mean, we're going through the book of Acts, and we've been talking about this, being on mission for Jesus. We put on the watch in the morning. What do we call this? The watch, a mezuzah, right? The Jewish mezuzah. We put on the watch, and it's a reminder we're on mission. And every time we look at it throughout the day, we look at our mezuzah, whatever it is, your smartphone or whatever it is, We look at that to remind us, what time is it? Okay, one more time. What time is it? Mission time. They were on mission. Can you imagine if all of us uh, were intentionally on mission, the impact that we would make? Our job is to share the story of Jesus, right? We don't save anybody. Jesus saves, right? But our job is to share the story of Jesus. We come to this section in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 18, in our series Unstoppable, and in this story today, there's a story of opposition. In, in, the, in the face of overwhelming opposition, that you have to look to the Word of God, right? We've got to grab hold of the Word of God. The Apostle Paul, through his testimony, what he's going to do is going to share with us two things that will help us, if you have your outlines, when you face opposition in this world, and we all do, and the number one is to look for God's redirection. Look for God's redirection. Let's stop and think for a moment of Paul's past ministry experience that he has. He has. He came on his sick, second missionary journey with, with Silas. Paul and Silas go on the missionary journey. They go to Lystra. They pick up Timothy. Timothy goes with them. They go through Asia, but the Holy Spirit doesn't allow them to, to speak God's word in Asia. They wanted to go to Bithynia. God says, no, you can't go to Bithynia. But they respond to the Macedonia call, and they go over into Europe to minister there. And while they're there in Europe to minister there, they come to Philippi. And there's a girl, the, a girl that's possessed with the demon. They cast that demon out of the girl. And Paul and Silas payment for that. Remember what happened in Acts chapter 16? They're stripped of their clothes, and they're beaten almost to death. They're placed in prison, and they have shackles put on their feet. And the Bible says that, that Paul and Silas are worshiping God and praising him. And about that time, an earthquake comes. And the shackles fall off their feet. The prison doors come open. And you know the rest of the story, right? You do know the rest of the story. If you don't, you can read in Acts chapter 16. So you go to Acts chapter 16. We went over that a couple weeks ago. But then he goes to Athens. But before he went to Athens, they went to Thessalonica. And at Thessalonica, the persecution was such that they had to leave the city. Then he goes to Berea. And Berea was a much shorter trip. And the pressure was there, so they had to leave there. So now Paul is coming to Corinth. And now if you had the track record, you say, wow, maybe I should have went into something else like zoology instead of ministry because this is tough. This is tough. Every day I go and someone's beating me up and and yelling at me and I have opposition chasing me out of the city. And by the way, when you have that string of persecutions like Paul did, doors seem to be closed and you don't seem to see the hand of God working in your life, you have to go back on your calling. That's what the Apostle Paul was able to do. He's able to go back to his Macedonia calling in Acts chapter 16. He knew that when he responded, that's exactly where God wanted him to go, into Europe, what we know now today's Europe, and go through that way. And he's doing exactly what God had called him to do, is what Paul was doing. Paul is coming into Corinth, and he has to be thinking, he has to be saying to himself, oh no, more of the same. More opposition, more persecution, more of getting beat up and whatever. More of this is going to happen. Later on, he wrote in Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3, listen to what he says. He says, I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. Wow, that's the way the apostle Paul, we think of him as this mighty apostle, but he comes into Corinth trembling and fearful what they may do to him. Because Paul endured a whole lot of persecution, overwhelming persecution that he had in his life. And he says I didn't know what to expect as I come into court. I didn't know what they were going to do to me. I had no idea what was going to happen to me. He writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 24 through 28. Listen what he says. He says five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus 1. Now the 40 lashes he's talking about is being flogged. They believed that if you beat someone 40 times with those 40 lashes they would die. So they subtracted one. They hit you 39 times. So they about beat you to death. And he says I experienced that five times those 39 lashes three times I was beaten with rods once I was stoned remember he was stoned and left for dead and they dragged him outside of the city he thought he was dead three times I was shipwrecked I spent a night and a day in the open sea I've been constantly on the move I've been danger from rivers in danger from bandits in danger from my own countrymen in danger from Gentiles in danger in the city in danger in the country in danger at sea and in danger from false brothers i have labored and toiled and have gone without sleep i have known hunger and thirst and have gone without food i've been cold and naked besides everything else i face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches that's paul's list what's yours what's yours when i thought about mine the scars that i've endured for for jesus i thought they're not even worth mentioning not even worth mentioning when i think of apostle paul and others what they suffered for jesus and the apostle Paul he, he goes on and he writes and he expands on this in second corinthians chapter 4 verse 17 and 18 he says this of all those things he went through he says for our light momentary troubles that's what he called them all those things that he endured for our light momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all and he goes on and says so we fix our eyes not on what is seen but what is unseen for what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. He said, so we fix our eyes, not on those things we can see, not on those struggles, not on all those problems. He said, well, we fix our eyes on the things we can't see, on Jesus, on eternal things. That's what we fix. We don't fix on the things that we can see with our eyes. Those are temporary, but in the eternal things. And then Paul wrote to the Roman believers in Romans chapter 8, verse 18. He says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that we've revealed in us. Paul knew suffering in adversity, didn't he? We all have adversity, don't we? We all go through that. But some of that adversity is because of our parents. Maybe our older parents are aging, and we don't know how to best service their needs. And some of that adversity and opposition comes from our children because of their disobedience, making wrong choices and bad decisions. Some of that comes from our grandchildren. Some of that comes from financial pressure, that adversity. Some of that comes from physical pressure, and adversity comes. We all face adversity, right? But that's not the adversity that Apostle Paul is talking about here. That adversity we deal deal with is real. Don't get me wrong, it's real. It's heavy. It's hard to go through. But that adversity comes from life. Just doing life. That's what it comes from. The adversity the Apostle Paul is experiencing comes from being on mission and being opposed on mission. That's what he's talking about. And he starts off with Acts chapter 18, verse 4. It talks about here. If you have your Bibles, Acts chapter 18, verse 4. And it says, Every Sabbath, Paul reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. That's usually where Paul started. He would go into the synagogue, and he'd start share with them about Jesus is the Christ. And he'd go in there and stay in there as long as they would let him stay in there. Verse 5, When Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. But when the Jews opposed Paul it became abusive, He shook on his clothes in protest and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am clear of my responsibility. From now on I will go to the Gentiles. Then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Titius Justice, a worshiper of God. Crispus, the synagogue ruler, and his entire household believed in the Lord, and many of the Corinthians who heard him believed and were baptized. So the Bible says that Paul goes in the synagogue and he reasoned with them, They opposed him, and they were abusive. So Paul said, that's it. He was open to God's redirection. That's what we want to notice here. He was open to God's redirecting him. In Matthew 7, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said it so clearly. He says says, you don't take that which is precious and give it to people who are not ready for those precious things. They don't value those things, those precious things. They don't know how to value them. In other words, you have to understand and use discernment of how much you share with people is what he's saying. He's saying you don't take your wedding ring or you don't take a, a pearls and cast them to the pigs because they don't know how precious and value those wedding rings and those pearls is what he's saying. In other words, you don't take that which is really valuable, he says, and give to people who are not yet ready to understand its value and respond. You don't do that. You don't give them those things. So Paul shared with the Jews the gospel message that Jesus is the Christ. They didn't respond, and they got abusive toward him. So Paul says, that's it. God was redirecting him. Paul, they're not listening, and God was redirecting him. And it's interesting, when God redirected Paul here is what we see, he redirected him, and guess who the first convert was? It was the synagogue ruler. Crispus was the first one. That's not the first time we've seen that. When God wouldn't let Paul go in the area of Asia and minister the gospel, he, so he sent them into Europe. Guess who his first convert was? It was Lydia, a lady from Thyatira, who was from Asia. God does that sometimes. We want to go there, and God says, don't worry. You'll be able to reach people in that area. So God redirects him. But there's a verse here that I don't want it to pass up. It's a very powerful verse. In verse 6, it says, When the Jews opposed Paul became abusive, he shook on his clothes in protest and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am clear of my responsibility. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Those words shake out his clothes. Paul also said that in the first missionary journey. He shook out his clothes and said, I'm leaving. Your blood is on your heads. What does that mean that God would say that? Paul would say that. The wording comes from an Old Testament passage in Ezekiel chapter 33. In that passage, the prophet is saying that for every city, they have to have a watchman. And that watchman will sit in that watchtower. So when the people go to sleep, that watchman's in that watchtower with eyes open. So a group, if a group of thugs comes into the, the city, or if or if an army for another country comes in with their swords drawn, ready to do harm, he would be alert up there. That watch would be alert. He'd blow the trumpet. The people would hear it. They would respond, and they'd save the city. They'd preserve the city. But in Ezekiel, the prophet said this. If the watchman blows the trumpet, and you decide to put on your snooze alarm, say, I'm going to sleep for another 10 minutes, and the people come in and destroy you, he says, that's your fault. Their blood is on their head because you didn't respond to the trumpet. So, but if the armies are coming in, and that guy in the watchtower is asleep or he's texting his friends, and he says, and he doesn't blow the trumpet, and people come in and destroy the city, destroy the people, then their blood is on his head. That's what the Apostle Paul was saying in this passage. He's saying, I came to you. I blew the trumpet. You didn't respond, so the blood is on your head. I did my job. I blew the trumpet. It's interesting, very interesting. Is it possible that an Almighty God holds us responsible and accountable to share the gospel to blow the trumpet? Is it possible that He does that? Imagine, I'll give you a scenario that every one of you, just imagine, every one of you knew Jesus Christ, your Savior, right? Just, just imagine that. You knew Christ as your Savior when you were in high school, and you knew him when you were in high school, now here comes your reunion, your 10-year reunion. Most of us are at our 10-year reunion, right? High school? Or 20, or 30, or maybe even 50-year reunion, and you're going to your high school reunion, you're all excited about going there, and you go there, and you meet one of your old friends that you're very good friends with, and, and you meet with them, and you begin to talk, and they say, I need to let you know that two years ago, I came to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. And you, you embrace them. You're all excited about their decision for Christ. And you said, I welcome you into the family because I've known Jesus for a long time. And then all of a sudden they step back from you. They say, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me when we were in high school about Jesus? I spent all that time and somebody else had to tell me. Why didn't you tell me? Why did you allow me to go through all this life not knowing him? My life could have been so much different if I'd known Jesus while I was in high school. Why didn't you tell me? Can you imagine a more painful scenario hear that from somebody? Why didn't you tell me? Or, Or try this, that one day that those people who don't know Jesus Christ, their Savior, who never put their faith and trust in Jesus, those people will have to stand before the great white throne judgment of Christ. And Jesus is going to say to them, depart from me, I never knew you. And maybe some of them might say, why didn't Doug Askew tell me about Jesus? Why didn't Thad Luxton tell me about Jesus? Why didn't Grail Storm tell me about Jesus? And if we didn't blow the trumpet, if we didn't tell them and share the the gospel trumpet, if we didn't do that, perhaps our hands, our heads are covered with blood. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty or anything like that. I am just said we're meant to blow the trumpet. That we have to be on mission. We have to carry the trumpet be ready to use it. We're to be on mission. We're to look at our watch, right? Look at the watches, Man, I'm to be on mission. My job is to blow the trumpet and make sure people hear it and share the gospel message. And through our good deeds and our good words that people might come to Christ, right? That's what we're supposed to do, right? But we have to do it well. So God redirected Paul is what he's doing, redirecting Paul. I remember years ago, I, I met a guy and he says, uh, uh, would you disciple me? And I said, sure, i disciple him. I didn't know if he was saved or not. And we met three or four times, and he got busy, and he couldn't meet anymore, and he kept making excuses. He couldn't meet, and, and time went by we couldn't meet, and I was kind of a little upset. You know, we couldn't meet anymore, and I was kind of bothered by it. And then sometime later, a friend of his came up and said, hey, I, I know you were discipling Gary. His name wasn't Gary, but I just used that name. I know you were discipling Gary. I was wondering if you could disciple me to meet with me. I said, sure, I'd be glad to meet with you. God was redirecting. That's what God does. We think God has us going this way. God redirects. And God directs us, but God always redirects. We have to be open to God's redirection. Don't say, no, God was leading me this way. God redirects, guys. Open up our, our hands and our heart and surrender to God and say, God, it's all right. Sometimes God redirects us at what he wants us to do. Let's not be so stuck. No, God's leading me this way. No, sometimes God changes paths for us. Let's be open to that. When you face opposition, number two, listen for God's encouragement. This is huge. Listen for God's encouragement. These are wonderful words. But keep in mind, Paul came, he was discouraged. The Bible says he was weakened, and he was in fear and trembling. And listen to what God does in verse 9 and 10. It says, One night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. He says, Do not be afraid, keep on speaking, do not be silent. I am with you, and no one is going to attack and harm you because I have many people in this city. So God is saying these words to Paul. He's saying, you don't have to be afraid. Do you need to hear that when you're on mission for Jesus? Do you think you do need to hear that? Do not be afraid. I'm trying to share the gospel. Do not be afraid. Do you think you need to hear that? We need to hear that every day, don't we? He says, do not be afraid. Why, Why not be afraid? God says, because I am. Remarkable words, highlighting in your Bible. I have a book in my office called The Promises of God, and there's hundreds of promises in that book, and they're all very powerful promises. But there's one that stands above them all, and it's right here, that night vision that Paul had, where God said, I am with you. That stands above all them. To understand what that means, when God says, I am with you. Do you remember the story when Moses came down from the mountain And the people were partaking in all this ungodliness. It was an abomination against God. They were worshiping a golden calf, and God is bringing judgment. And and Moses pleads with God, and he says, be patient and long-suffering. Don't kill all your people. Let your people live. At the end of the chapter, Moses says these words to God in Exodus chapter 33, verse 15. He says, then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. And Moses was saying, God, I don't want to go one step. I don't want to go one mile if you're not with us. And then he goes on, he gives us the why. Why he doesn't want to go without God. If, God, you're not going with us, I don't want to go. And he gives us the why, and he says this in verse 16. Very powerful. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people in the face of the earth? That was the why. Think about that. That this morning, as we're right here this morning, and we're standing in the presence of God. God's right here with us. He inhabits the praise of his people, is what the Bible says. And when you leave this place, when we get up here, we leave this building, you never escape the presence of God. you understand that? You never escape his presence. In every moment, every situation, while you're going, while you're suffering, while you're serving, God goes with you. And you don't need to be afraid. That is powerful when you understand that. God says, you don't need to be afraid. Why don't you need to be afraid? Because God is with you. That's what he's saying here. Uh, sometime today, would you do this, We read, or this week, read Psalm 139. It's a very important Psalm. 139, David wrote it, and he's praying, and, and he's saying here, God, you know me inside and out. Before a word comes from my lips, you already know what I'm going to say. Is that important to you and I as we're trying to be on mission for Jesus? Who we come to God and say, God, I don't know what I'm going to say. And God says, I already know what you're going to say. You're on mission. Go ahead and say it. Just say it. I love the words that it says in Psalm 139, verse 5. It says, you hid me in. And what he's saying there, God, you're on my right. You're on my left. You're in front of me. You're behind me. You hid me in. He says, there's no way I can go outside of your presence. You're everywhere. And then he says in Psalm 139, verse 6, the next verse, he says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me too lofty for me to attain, he says. Because of this promise, God told Paul, he says, keep speaking. Don't be silent. He goes on, and said, there are people who, who need to know me. There's people in the city that need to hear about me, Paul. So I'm going to let you speak. You're going to continue speaking because there's some in this city who's going to attack you. They're going to harm you. But you keep reading the chapter, you'd find out they're not able to harm Paul. And what we find out that Paul was a faithful he obeyed God. He listened to what God said here. In Acts chapter 18, verse 11, it says, So Paul stayed for a year and a half teaching the Word of God. He didn't flee the city. He stayed there and he preached. Even with the adversity, even with the opposition, even with things going on, Paul still stayed there and he preached. And sometimes in, in overwhelming opposition, we need to listen to the encouraging words of God, right? From His Word. From His Word. When, when I, Sometimes God speaks to us in in what seems like vision, but God predominantly, at least for me, God predominantly speaks to me through the Word of God, when I open up the Word of God. Sometimes He'll speak through other people. Sometimes He'll speak through the church. He'll speak through the message to you, like like on Sunday morning, as I'm speaking here, He'll say something to you. It's not me. It's God put something on your heart. But whatever He says, God is never going to tell you to do anything that would conflict with the Word of God. Whatever he tells you to do, if you hear it from a friend or you think you had a vision or whatever you think you might have, had, always go back to the word of God and say, God, is this an agreement? Is this what you want me to do? And have it confirmed through the word of God. Because God will never, ever, ever tell you to do anything that's in conflict with this. So that's why we have the word of God and take us back and say, okay, God, I think this is what you, want, what you want me to do, but let me read the word. Are you leading me through the word? Or is it something that I've just put in my own mind I want to do? Or somebody else came in to do something you don't want me to do? Make sure it's in agreement with God's Word. Always make sure we do that. There have been a few times where I felt such opposition and adversity when I've been on a mission for Jesus. And I remember a friend that read me Joshua 1.9 many, many, many years ago. Joshua 1.9 says this, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. It says be strong and courageous. And maybe you say, Lord, I don't feel strong and courageous right now. But if you look at that verse, it doesn't talk about feeling it. It says, I have commanded you to be strong and courageous. Well, how do you do that? God says, because I'm with you. You can do it, because I'm with you. And and those words penetrated deep within my heart so many years ago, and today that I know that no matter what happens to me, No matter what happens, I can be strong and courageous. Not because of me. Believe me, I can't be strong and courageous because of him. Because I know he's with me. And he's going to be with me wherever I go. And if you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, he's with you. And you can be strong and courageous. And wherever you go, God will help you to be strong and courageous. That we don't have it in ourselves to be strong and courageous. Adversity comes opposition. What's the first thing we want to do? Flight. We want to run from it, don't we? And God says, be strong and courageous. Do not be silent. Keep speaking. I will protect you. I will guide you. I will direct you. Be strong and courageous. And that's what God wants us to be, to rely upon Him, to get our strength from Him. God's mission, God's mission for me and all of us, all of us here, is don't be silent, don't stop speaking, but blow the trumpet. That's what God wants us to do, blow the trumpet. When I say blow the trumpet, share the gospel, right? Share the story of Jesus. Blow the trumpet. Blast that trumpet. Be on mission for Jesus. That's what he calls us to be. Can you imagine the impact if all of us decided that we're going to be on mission this week, that we strapped on our watch and we said, it's mission time. I'm on mission. Sharing the love of Jesus wherever I go. Blowing the trumpet of the gospel. It's so clearly with our good deeds and our good works that people would have to respond. They have to respond may not be good it may not be yes but maybe it will be right we don't know maybe they might respond and say yes god's the one who saves it. we don't so let's be on mission this week for jesus he's called us to be on mission all through the book of acts that's what he's called you're on mission don't be silent don't be quiet blow the trumpet let's leave the results to god let's not assume that this person's not going to respond right to the holy spirit or to god with the gospel Let's just be on mission for Jesus and leave the results to God. Let's blow the trumpet so our conscience can be clear. That's our job. Our conscience can be clear. Let's blow the trumpet. Let's share Jesus. Let's be on mission. Let's look at our watches often. Remind us, what time is it? Mission time, guys, mission time. That's a reminder. Whatever you have to use to remind you that you're on mission. We get so fixated on our daily work and everything we're doing and our tasks that we forget that while we're here, the reason we're here is be on mission for Jesus. It's mission time. To blow the trumpet, to warn the people wherever we go, accept Jesus, or here's the consequence. There's a consequence if they don't. One day they will stand before the great white throne judgment of Christ. And he will say to them, depart from me, I never knew you. And they will spend an eternity, eternity, not 70, 80, 90, 100 years here on this earth, but an eternity apart from Jesus Christ. That's the result. So let's blow the trumpet. Let's warn everyone, because we know the way. That way is through Jesus. Amen? We know that. Let's pray. Lordy, come, and we praise you. We praise you so much because, God, you are so good. You are so good that, Lord, you open up our eyes to the name of Jesus that we came to understand, not because we're so smart, not because we're so intelligent, we're intelligent, more smart than everyone else, because your grace and your mercy and your love open up our eyes and open up our minds to who Jesus is, that he's the son of God, that he's God, and what he did for us, that he died upon the cross for our sins. So, Lord, we're so thankful for our salvation it's all because of your goodness. It's all because of your grace. It's all because of your love. And I pray for anybody here that does not know Jesus Christ, their Savior, yet. That Lord, you might come to understand that God loves them, and he wants to have a relationship with them. And he did everything he could by sending his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for their sins. He was buried and raised on the third day. But we have a responsibility to respond to what Jesus did, by putting our faith and trust in him. Lord, I pray for that person today who may not know you. not sure that they put their faith and trust in jesus today i pray for all of us this morning lord that know you that we would come and say my responsibility is to blow the trumpet to blow the trumpet with the gospel of jesus christ to blow the trumpet wherever i go with every opportunity that i have to blow the trumpets our conscience can be clear god we ask and we come before your greatness and your goodness lord help us to be bold help us to be on mission for you Help us in our fear and trembling to be reminded, Lord, that you are with us wherever we go. And we may not have the words to say, but you do. That we rely and trust you in every step of the way. That it made all the difference in Paul's life to understand that. Made all the difference in Moses' life to understand that, God, you are with us. When we truly understand that, that, God, you are with us. And there's no place we can go to escape your presence. It changes everything. And no matter where I go, God, you're with me. And you're right with me right now. And if I'm talking to somebody, God, you're, you want me to be on mission time. And if I share the gospel, Lord, that's what you want me to do. And I need to do that. I need not be afraid. I need not be fear and trembling and all those things, but I'm to be bold and courageous, strong and courageous. Help us to be that way, Lord. Help us to live our lives in boldness, courageousness. Be courageous and strong and, and in your strength, relying on you, realizing you are with us wherever we go. Now, Lord, as we continue to worship you this morning, let's just sing about your goodness, that, God, you are so good to us all the time, every day. You never give up on us, that you're on our side, and you love us so much. Lord, we love you and we praise you. We ask these things in a beautiful, amazing name, in the name of Jesus, amen.